welcome to the Helping Families Be Happy podcast, where we explore the often messy world of family, love, and relationships. I'm your host for this podcast, Christopher Robbins, the co-founder of Familiarist Publishing, husband, father of nine, author, fly fisherman, backpacker, and aspirational musician based in the Central Valley of California. We hope to bring you nourishing, real-life information about love, family, relationships, and life. I'm happy to, to, to introduce today's guest, Susan Holt Simpson. Susan Holt Simpson is a freelance writer living in Northern Kentucky. She earned her master's degree and bachelor's degree in elementary education at Northern Kentucky University, married her childhood sweetheart more than 30 years ago, and is learning to enjoy her almost empty nest. In the local community, Susan volunteers as a reading coach with the Kentucky's one-to-one children's literacy program. Her jittery spotted dog inspired the soon-to-be-released familiar title, Teach Your Dog to Read. To learn more about Susan, visit SusanHoltSimpson.com, S-U-S-A-N-H-O-L-T-S-I-M-P-S-O-N.com. And where can they find you on social media, Susan? Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, all of those, I'm there. Okay, great. Well, today we're exploring how to help our children learn to love reading, which falls into the familiar learn together habit. You can learn more about the familiar 10 habits of happy families by going to the Habit Hub blog on familiar.com. Now, Susan, welcome. Thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. So it's kind of funny. We start off that your book, and this is your book, Teach Your Dog to Read for Real. And what, a, <laughs> what an interesting book, because what we've learned is that, uh, that they've they've identified that, that dogs can learn to identify 20 to 30 words, depending upon on breed. And your book helps pet owners, dog owners, learn how to help their dog read bowl, bath, run, fetch, words like this. Super fun book. If yeah. See that do well. But today we're talking about teaching our children to learn to read. Now, we all want our children to, to love reading. Can you give us a few hints uh, for early reading and what we need? How early do we start and what, what should we know? Well, I guess it's important to think about starting to involve your kids with loving printed. They hear printed words and learn there is a a different way it sounds than just speaking. So children can learn to recognize somebody's reading even before they're born, even uh, pre-born little babies um, can recognize and enjoy somebody reading aloud to them. We, we read aloud to our children before they were even born. We couldn't wait and read um, Winnie the Pooh, all the Winnie the Pooh stories to our, our first little uh, before he was born. And that it really, we really felt like he knew it's reading time. We're reading. Isn't that fun? Oh, that's really fun. And, and with my name, Christopher Robbins, I, I love that you were reading him. Of course. <laughs> in those books, Winnie the Pooh, Christopher Robbins. So, so it sounds like we can, we can begin reading, you know, during pregnancy and that can have an impact. So what other tips can you provide as we really help to inculcate reading into a child's life? 
Well, I think, you know, just trying to involve reading in ways that aren't obtrusive, you know, trying to sit with a toddler on your lap who just wants to grab the book and bite it, you know, that can be tough and discouraging. It's it's easy to um, just read it aloud, even during feeding times to get out those board books that that you got, you know, at your baby shower and, and just read them to the to the while they're while they're feeding, while they're in their high chair, even during bath time, putting on an audio book, uh, especially of Mother Goose, of of really rich rhyme and textured stories and books is good. They can hear that while they're doing other things, playing, and that builds something in them that makes it a valuable part of the way they grew up. They you know, feeding, bath time, especially bedtime, right? When you have a chance, they're they're kind of snuggly, they're sleepy, and you can pick out a book that is a sleepy book. You know, you probably wouldn't want to do a text that's really exciting and stuff. You, you would want to have something that's kind of sleepy. And those are really important parts of any child's day, even as really young children, those are important milestones of their day. And you, we can involve reading in all of those. Well, it sounds like we can just expose them to books wherever they are, whatever they're doing. Now that's, that's wonderful. Now, how do we help, help us understand how do we perhaps build a library for our children as they grow from from you know, newborns to toddlers to early readers to chapter readers and on? Well, we know that these libraries can be, you can't be too, you can't be too picky with how, what happens to the books after they enter the home, right? Because they might get damaged through somebody chewing, tearing, you know, the family dog, right? But it is important to, I think, search out those really special books, the ones that are really important and to invest in those. I'm, I'm a book buyer. I love going to bookstores. That, that's an important part of the way that we acquired books for our kids and now for our grandkids to make sure that we're buying those really good quality, beautiful books that will be treasured. But that's not the only way to put together a library for your kids. You can't, I've been to, um, around here there it's St. Vincent de Paul is like a, a secondhand resale for charity. There's just an entire wall of children's books. So just searching through those resale thrift stores, Goodwill, they all have children's books for very reasonable prices. I have found wonderful book collections at yard sales in Kentucky they're called yard sales. I think garage sales, tank sales, but sometimes even you'll happen upon a teacher who's just getting rid of her book collection. And it's such a major score because you can get really quality books for a quarter, 10 cents, a dollar. Sometimes one more way, sometimes play group, you know, you can bundle up 10 of your books. And when you go to play group, if all the other moms have also created a bundle, you can trade around for completely free and experience other people's books. Gosh, that's 60 other books that your child can enjoy for free. 
Great ideas. Now you talk about quality literature. So do you source any particular list or lists that help you identify what books that you think would be, you know, keepsakes or books that you want your children to read? I do look at lists online. There are a lot of, a lot of people with lists, but you know what I like to do is I love to go to the library and just kind of wander around those beautiful books, those special things are often set on top of the library shelves by the librarians because they, they see the value in some of these books too. And they put them out so that they're, the kids are going to reach for those librarians too, you know, just asking them, Hey, what do you, what have you seen coming out? That's really special. And they're happy to take you through and show you beautiful books Bookstores, again, I love to go to bookstores and just, I mean, handling the books is free. You can look at the, I even, I even will take pictures of ones that, oh, this is a beauty. I really want this. And I'll take a picture of it. And then when I have more or yes, I can buy something, you know, then I, I have a list of what I want to go get. So yeah, it, it pays to go handle the books, go, go see them. Good. Lots of browsing. And that's always the a fun part, finding finding a book that you didn't know about. Other options, of course, include the American Library Association. They have a, a notable list that you can experience. The New York Times has the same. Many, many wonderful uh, journals uh, like that provide great lists that you can experience if you're trying to build a, a, a beginning library. Now, let's, let's talk about uh, digital versus print. I mean, do you have do you have a preference? So, so many of our children are now reading on any device that they happen to have. You know, I guess I guess I would have to say any print, any reading is good. But I do. I am pretty old school. I like. And I have heard that that it's coming back around that print and turning pages and looking, actually visually looking at a big picture book, that that has value of its own. So I buy real books, real books for my kids, for my grandkids. When I have a chance, I do that. Just for audience, as a book publisher, we publish in all formats possible. We encourage anyone to read and regardless of what medium that they like. Yes. When we think about real books, uh, Susan's referring to books that are printed and bound. And there is something yes. very, very therapeutic, very calming about the process of turning a page again and again and again. It's, a, yes. it's almost a Zen-like activity. Well, thank <laughs> you for sharing that. Now, let's think about... You talk about elementary years. Reading can slip off the list of fun things to do as they're broadening their own horizons. Um, so what do we do then to help children re-engage or continue that love of learning during these moments where their world is expanding? You know that, and that was something that I faced with. I have all sons, so they were so much into activities. Like you said, they they were now they're into camping. Now they're into sports and every other thing that it was hard to get them to want to sit down and take time with print with print. So what I did was try to make sure that the print that that I presented them with was attached to things that they already loved. If they were really into two dogs, 
then we had dog books. If they were really into basketball, there are basketball books, you know, fiction and nonfiction, sometimes going to get nonfiction titles from the adult section because those had really in-depth print and photos, which they wanted to see. So to make sure that that they're reading, the reading they're presented with is tailored to their interest, but also to, um, to give them books that they may, that might be a partner. You know, if you're interested in basketball, you might be interested in how basketball is played in Brazil, you know, something that would, that would lead you a little further than just their interest, um, trying to expand a little bit. Right. It's a wonderful idea. Rather than rather than be too concerned about their expanding universe, complement their expanding universe with books that align with their expanded universe. Yeah, yeah. Wonderful advice. Now, tell us a little bit more about Launchpad books. I don't know anything about that. Well, you know, I just kind of made that a term up. It's kind of like it's it's the way I try to teach my kids uh, reading was to present a book that was easy to read. This is more in the, um, you know, the earlier reading levels, but to present a book that they might be interested in, read it with them. And then knowing that the book has something that we could launch into other activities with. So instead of choosing books that start with their activity interest to present a book that has something that's going to lead you to an activity that everybody's going to enjoy and that's going to inspire more reading. So for example, the the book, if you give a mouse a cookie, everybody has heard of that, right? So reading, if you give a mouse a cookie, and then of course, baking cookies. That's something that's hardly ever going to be turned down by any little reader, you know, hey, we read this book. What what if we make cookies after that? Oh yeah. You know, that could be something that causes that child to ask for that book again. Okay. Could we, could we read that again and then maybe make cookie? Absolutely. We're going to do that. Right. Books, launch pad books are books that are going to launch your little guy into an interest-based activity. Hmm. That's a great idea. Launchpad books. So wonderful. Let's let's connect activities with the book so that they have a greater context of what that book is about. Yes. Yeah. Well, let's talk about uh, as we end, let's talk about the work that you're doing with the uh, Kentucky is one to one. Is is that the literacy group? Yes, it's a literacy program in Kentucky. I'm just a volunteer. I've volunteered with them for a few years, but it's such a great program. And I love that I get to be involved in that. We had a little bit of a break during uh, the pandemic, but they're back and there's such a need for it now, because as we, as we see the scores for United States in reading and even math are down. So this program is designed to target the children who are at at risk in the schools and partner them with a volunteer from the community. So I, I was in a training a couple of weekends ago and there were there, the person sitting next to me was a nurse from Christ hospital. She didn't have anything to do with education. She didn't have degrees or anything like that. There was a person from a motor, uh, a, um, a car sales place 
you know, just people from all over the community, but they are willing to partner with one child in the school for 35 minutes to share books and inspire that reading is fun. This is fun. I get to read with you. You're my reading buddy. What book are we going to read? Just to try and bridge that gap of, oh, I'm not going to be able to do that. I'm not good at that. Isn't that a, isn't that a great program? I would love to see that in, in more places. It is. You know, I, I, we have nine children and my wife has taught each one of them to read and I've watched their world open up as they begin reading. It's a, it's a marvelous, it's a miracle, right? And there's just so much that one can learn through Mm -hmm. great books. Well, good job. Well done. So is there anything else that you would share with us as we end this podcast today about helping our children learn to love reading? I think I would just, if I can, just offer a a small caution. I think sometimes we get so excited as parents and grandparents about we're going to, we're going to share words with our kids. They're going to love it. And then sometimes we can be a little over eager and that can cause a child who's more reserved to kind of draw back. And I want, I want to just encourage people to be really natural with the way that they present reading. If you, if it's something that you love and they catch on that this is fun and I can do it too, they're going to want to come in. So to not be too over eager or too forceful, if you see a child who's just kind of hanging back, does that make sense? It does. You know, we have to coach to the player, right? Yes. Yeah. That great advice. Well, Susan, thank you so much for joining us today on the Familiars Podcast, helping families be happy. Oh, thank you for having me. Oh, great. Hopefully we can do it again. Now, as we conclude today's podcast, I'd like to thank Familiars for their support in bringing the podcast to your ears and your heart. We'd be thrilled if you subscribed to the podcast and left us a review on iTunes and social media. And when you're ready for that next amazing book adventure, we'd be honored if you chose a book from Familiars. One step at a time, we can make the world a happier place. 